This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Thursday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a two-game set against the Atlanta Braves splitting the set one game apiece. They are still in sole possession of last place in the American League East, 11 and a half games back from the first place New York Yankees. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? Oh, I've been better. I've been a lot better. Tonight was like a double kick in the nuts for, for Boston sports fans. So had the Celtics lose a heartbreaker, and then you switched over to the Red Sox game, and Get to see Oswaldo Arcia take us deep to to lose game two of the series of all people. So just absolutely brutal. Even though it's like technically a series split, it still feels like a series loss. It's just, it's still so depressing. You know what? I'm just numb to it now. Like I'm just immune to it. Like I, I get no feeling. I'm like, well, let's go record a, a depressing podcast. <laughs> you Pretty know. much. I wish I could be numb to it, but not quite there yet. Absolutely. We're going to be getting into a lot. It was kind of a thrilling uh, two-game set. But also joining us tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew? Singing in there, guys. That's all you can do right now. That's it, and I just, I don't want to quit on this team, but when you see 11 and a half out, it's just, ouch. I don't even know what the wild card is. Let's see. Can I get that? Oh, we're only, well, we're five and a half out of the sixth wild card. That's going to be so depressing. They add an extra team, and we still don't make it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I think the Red Sox go to Texas next, so the uh, the road uh, trip continues. But one thing I want to point out before we get into studs and duds, those baseballs were as juiced as I've seen all season. Like, the way they were traveling through the air, the hang time, I, I'm not... I'm not making excuses. It affected us the same way, you know, but uh, MLB needs to make up their mind. You know, what, what are they doing? And we did a, a deep dive segment on uh, specifically the baseballs uh, a couple weeks ago, but man, juiced. Oh, it totally looked like it. I mean, just from the way they carried, like, they were, you know, Darno's home run was like high and then just kept going and going. And it's like, uh, okay, if that if that was the former baseballs, that would have been an easy fly out, it feels <laughs> like. So yeah, it you can definitely tell there's some some juice balls being mixed in, but 
I don't think they're all the way back yet. So it's it's like you said, it's like MLB just has to figure out what they want to do at this point. Like either go all in or don't. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm curious like how the humidity affects them too, because obviously now you're in the south and this time of year, you know, are they flying further? Is it I it doesn't I, I hate guessing and that's all it's become over the last three years. Like I said, I think last show, I thought Pete Alonso was kind of an idiot when he brought it up, but now it turns out MLB is it's just stupid. <laughs> it just messes with these with these things constantly. Joe pointed out, I think it might have been the week before last, that all the national televised games, whether it's you know, ESPN on Sunday nights or uh, Apple TV on Friday nights. Those are the games that are getting the juice balls. And last night's game, game one of the Red Sox Braves series, that was on TBS and technically a nationally televised game. So they must have just left the balls in there for the series. I mean, why... Why juice them for one game and then come out with the dead balls for the second game? You know, I think they would just keep them all together for the series. Yeah, particularly when the series is only two games long. You know, I, I think you're right. They probably just left them in there. And and yeah, Job's probably right. Like, of course, they're putting juice balls on the national broadcast because they know they're up against it right now with NHL and NBA playoffs. Like, they're struggling for viewership. People are pissed off about the Apple TV thing. So, yeah, of course, they're doing whatever it takes to get people to tune in. Yeah, I just, it's just, it caught my eye pretty quickly uh, in game one. But Arcea's uh, home run might have died 20 feet in front of the tracks tonight if uh, if they were normal. But who knows? I mean, Story hit his, we'll, we'll get into that later. So both both teams were hitting home runs. Uh, all right, so let's just go ahead. Uh, since it's a series split, I think we'll take uh, the opportunity to actually start with the with the studs for once. This is only the the third series the Red Sox haven't lost, and two of those three series have actually been ties. We had a we had a two to two split with uh, Minnesota and uh, Detroit. Still, the only team we've beaten straight up in a series. But uh, words I, I didn't think I'd be saying uh, before this season. But uh, let's see. Uh, Jason, we're going to lead off with you tonight. So who was your stud for the Atlanta Braves series? My stud was Trevor Story. Um, it was nice to see his bat wake up a little bit. Had a nice, uh, nice couple of hits yesterday in that 9-4 route. And then tonight finally hits his first home run as a member of the Boston Red Sox. And it was not a cheapie. It was straightaway center. Um, looked like a really, he put a really good swing on it. And he looks just more confident, especially after the home run, which how can he not be? But just looks like he's putting better swings on the ball lately. He's having more competitive at bats too. He'll still strike out every now and then, but he's working the count better. He's fighting off pitches foul. He's, you know, he's not chasing as much. Um so it just feels like he's really starting to finally figure it out at the plate. And it's about time because it, you need this guy to wake up. He's, you know, when he's on Trevor story is one of the best right-handed power hitters in the game. And, you know, if, if it was just a slow month and he's going to start to ramp it up now, that's going to be huge because uh, Xander Bogarts and Raphael Tevers are looking at the rest of this lineup going, um, can we get some help? around here please <laughs> like and i mean jd martinez too I, I shouldn't leave him off that list he's been hitting pretty well but you know feels like jd every time he has to run the bases is at, at risk to get hurt so uh it's again it's just nice to see story contribute nice to see the power from him today and uh hopefully he is awake now and it has clicked and he's ready to go yeah, I think um, I definitely was probably one of those people in the, minor in the minority out there that had literally zero concern about Story and just watched him too much to know that he was just a much better player than what he was showing. I think he had some horrible luck early in the year combined with all the stuff off the field. I think this is what we can expect. I, I really thought that 
they were probably gonna, I thought they were going to win this game. I thought the team was going to get rolling and I thought the bats were going to start waking up. And I thought Trevor story was going to be one of those main guys. He still could be. Um, I kind of expect him to be about a two sixty hitter from this point on just at the end of the, by the end of the season. Um, if he doesn't have as many home runs as he did in Colorado, whatever, if this guy hits 40 doubles, that's what we need. Uh, I expect him to be tattooing the ball pretty much left and right and for him to be a series stud pretty regularly going forward. I put out a tweet. I think it was early yesterday. So just before game one of the series where he had a, a pretty good game uh, drove in. I have it written down as one run, but I thought it was a two run uh, sh- uh, base hit, but regardless. Uh, so in the tweet, I asked, you know, people on Twitter scale of one to 10, how concerned are you with Trevor story? I would say 80% of them were like an eight to a 10, like very concerned. And you had the sarcastic people writing like 15, you know, on a scale one to 10 and a hundred, you know, you're going to, you're going to get those guys, but, um, lots of concerned. I said a three, that's where I was at, you know, not, not too concerned, struggling, but Carl Crawford's name gets kind of brought up, you know, in the last couple of weeks with story, you know, is the contract going to be a bust? Is he going to be a guy who can't play in Boston? And I don't get those vibes. He doesn't look like a guy who's lost at the plate. And he doesn't look like a guy who's carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. He doesn't look defeated. He's, he's grinding right now. And, you know, trying to finally get into that rhythm that has carried him through his entire career and had some big hits in, in both games. So it's good to see. I, I don't know if perhaps he's going to stay down in the in the six-hole area after uh, an ugly stint uh, at the top of the order, but I think they're going to find a spot for him, and I think he's going to be very productive going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, even when he was really struggling, I never would have put my concern level anywhere above a three or a four. That's that's about where I was, too. I, I just figured, you know, it's one month. It's, you know, 25 games or so. Um, he's a good hitter. and He's been a good hitter for long enough that the track record's there. I agree that, like, I don't think he ever looked really lost or down on himself. I think he just – he was obviously probably frustrated, but he always looked like he was this close to – to breaking out or at least having a couple of really good games. So um, yeah, I, my concern net level was really never that high. And I think this could be the start of him getting on a roll. And he, he felt the wrath of the crowd the, those last couple series. I mean, he had a golden sombrero two series ago, came very close to it again with a three strikeout game. And so he's, he's getting the the full Boston experience and this series was a good response to, to how he's going to handle that going forward. And it's not going to bother him. So this is a guy that I wanted and uh, I just can't wait to, to see the, the consistent power. Like Andrew said, if, if it ends up being mostly doubles, uh, fine. I, I think he's going to hit 15 to 20, no matter what, uh, you know, yeah. annually. <clears throat> oh yeah. I think 20 is the floor. And I, I think it was extremely unfair for Sox fans to be getting on him personally and Shaughnessy writing a little hit tweet on him. Cause if you look at around the league, Carlos Correa, not doing much. Marcus Simeon doing far worse than Trevor's story. Trey Turner having an abysmal season so far. So it's not like these main shortstop names are just lighting it up right now. They're not. It's definitely not the case. And the same goes with just other free agent signees. Uh, I saw someone that said they should have, they should reach out to Colorado 
to see if they'll trade Chris Bryant for Trevor. I, I swear to God, I'm not even making that up. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And Chris Bryant is already on the DL with an injured back, and he's got eight years and gobs of money left. So give Trevor time. He's going to come into his own. He's going to be super exciting to watch. Um, he has an element of speed that we don't have. Yeah, the summer is going to be fun to watch Trevor's story. I'm just looking at uh, Corey Seager's numbers. Seager is the only one doing well. Is he? He's only hit one double, though, from what I've seen. Six home runs, 14 ribbies. He's hitting 243. Only one double? That sounds weird, but... um, But, yeah, all right. So... Not concerned about story, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens against Texas. We're going to be seeing uh, Corey Seager actually, so and Simeon and Simeon. Yeah, looking forward to the latter part for sure because his uh, metrics are way down. Hard hit. Um, you you get way more into the baseball savant stuff than than me, but having an ugly season, and I wouldn't have minded Marcus Simeon. Like he wasn't. Like I said, you know, in my top three targets, but I wouldn't have hated that signing when it happened. And but they, the Red Sox uh, lost Tim Hires to the Texas Rangers, so we'll see. I mean, if there's a guy who could potentially fix someone, it probably is Tim Hires. But uh, all right, let's see, uh, Andrew, go ahead, stud for the series. Mine was Matt Strom, another ho-hum shutout inning uh, thrown by Strom with limited amount of pitches thrown. I honestly, I, I really, I've been yelling this from the rooftops since I think the beginning of the season, make Matt Strom your closer, make Matt Strom your closer, and they're not. And it's starting to really piss me off. Uh, and not only do they not do that, they barely leave him in. In, in his appearances, he's had appearances where he's thrown and this is back to back to back six, nine, nine, then 11, then four, then 13 pitches. And it's like, he's shutting these teams down. Let him throw another inning. I, I really don't know why we're not using him more and more. He's coming off an injury. It's not an arm injury. He had an ankle or a knee or something, but it's not a question of his arm. He's on a one-year deal. Use him. I honestly can't figure out why we're not using him more. I think he's the best reliever in that pen, not named Garrett Whitlock. Um, yeah, I, it, I, I can't even comprehend it at this point why Matt Strom is not our closer. He's our best pitcher out there, and he's lights out every time he comes in the game. Yeah, I mean, assuming they're still too stubborn and too stupid to move Garrett Whitlock back into that role, then it should absolutely be Matt Strom. Um, and I agree. I, like he has, it feels like they have such a quick hook for him. Like you know, it, they'll let him go, but then as soon as he lets a runner on base, okay, oh, here comes Alex Cora. We got to get Ryan Brazier in there. Like let let him, you know, let him pitch the ninth inning every now and then. Because at this point, what do you have to lose? You know, the Hansel Robles experiment, I'm pretty sure is over, but luckily. Um, and again, Whitlock, I don't know if he's going back there anytime soon because they seem hell-bent on keeping him as a starter. So put Mastrom in the, for the ninth inning. Like, he can face both sides of the plate. He's not one of these lefties that is going to get crushed by right-handed hitters. And he's efficient, and that's what you want out of a closer. The, the best thing you can have for a closer is a guy who throws less than 10 pitches in the inning and just closes out the ball game. You don't need, you know, Craig Kimbrell throwing 102, but, you know, walking two guys before he strikes out the side. You don't need that. Um, so I, I agree with Andrew. It should be Matt Strom. He should be your closer. He was good again in this series, and I don't feel like it's going to happen because I don't trust the Red Sox at this point to make the right decisions when it comes to their pitching staff. Um, I'll be pleasantly surprised if they ever give Strom the opportunity to do it. But he should at this point, because who else? Who else are you going to go to? Do you guys think, though, if the Red Sox didn't score a bunch of runs late in game one, potentially he comes out for the ninth? Because that's what 
I think Red Sox stats on Twitter was tweeting perhaps a beat writer like, oh, we might finally see Strom in the ninth. And then and then they broke the game open and you didn't really need a, a high leverage guy. So uh, it's impossible to know, but I, I just would have been curious to see what the plan would have been. It, w- it would have been either him or Deakman, I feel like, at that point. Yeah, there's there's a chance of that, but I I mean, part of me hopes that it didn't come down to that. Like, I don't know. It they should have let him go that next inning regardless of how many runs were scored. It's, you know, it so I hope that wasn't the case, but that would not surprise me at all if they decide to change things up because they had a bigger cushion. I'm done guessing uh, trying to guess roles, so I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> it just seems like the Red Sox are more analytical than they want to admit. And I mean, we're, we're getting beat by science, like our false perception of science. We're, we're letting that beat us right now. And people have been on the bullpen for much of the past week, but I still think it, you have to put, 75% of it on the offense. Yeah, they should be scoring more than two runs a game. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not uh, a question. The only reason the bullpen's getting exposed is because they keep putting themselves into close games because the offense isn't scoring. So, yeah, of course the bullpen naturally is going to get overworked and exposed, but I agree that the bulk of the blame pie goes to the offense still. Yeah, it's uh and Jason and I were talking about this while we were waiting for Andrew to come on. A lot of the damage was was done by Devers and and Bogarts this series uh, in game one. I mean, Bogarts three for five, Devers two for four with a grand slam. It's the same cast of characters, and they can't carry us. You know, some of these other guys are, are going to need to step up. And JD's, you know, batting lines have been pretty good. I mean, he was, let's see, well, three for nine, I guess. Not not bad. Struck out four times. But but it, it can't always be Devers and Bogarts, I guess, is what I'm getting at. No, and, and the other issue with that is if it does continue to just be Devers and Bogarts, opposing teams will just pitch around those guys because, you know, again, if, if JD is behind them, maybe that won't happen, but you know, it's, this is why story needs to heat up. This is why Verdugo needs to heat up because the way their lineup is structured, there's always sort of a weak bat behind one of those guys. So uh, opposing teams are just going to start to pitch around them and not give them anything to hit and say, okay, no problem. We'll face Alex Verdugo. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Right now Verdugo, I, I mean, I'm, Obviously, Kike is a huge issue, but Verdugo, I don't know if he's going to have to start change, changing his approach. I, he's just hitting him right at guys. He's had a, a lot of bad luck. I am going to say that. I will stick up for him with that. He's had bad luck, but he's also got a 252 OBP. You're going to have to work a walk here or there. You can't swing first pitch, second pitch of the bat. we got to get you on for Trevor Story, who's hitting now. So it it's like the, the one and the five, they're just outs at this point, And that's killing us. Uh, you know, it's kind of the, each time it's the lead off the inning guy. Cause you know, Kike is not getting on. Then Devers will get on. Then, you know, they'll end the inning. Second inning comes around. Then Verdugo gets out. And it, it's just this never ending cycle of guys not getting on base to start innings. And you know, you talk about Verdugo and walks. We're starting to see Bradley uh, take a, a few more walks. He was 0 for 3 in uh, game one, but got on base twice. And actually, uh, technically, a, a run batted in because the bases were loaded, and, and then he drew a walk and, uh, and got a got a RBI that way. Only he's the only outfielder with a positive war. His war is one. He has one war higher than Alex Verdugo right now. A full point or a tenth of yeah, a point? Yeah, because Verdugo, no, Verdugo is negative five. Jackie's at point four. 
So <laughs> okay. Just I, about a full point higher than yeah. Alex Verdugo. Close enough. And uh, another one, this is kind of wonky. I had to say that word once. Um, Franchi Cordero, 0 for 3 on the series, even though in game one he was 0 for 0, but drew three walks. <laughs> it's like, And then in, in game two tonight, uh, 0 for 3, drew uh, one walk in that game and, and struck out, but... He was officially 0 for 3 on the series, but got on base four times via the walk. So, so the the bottom part of the order, if they can, if they can maintain that patient approach, perhaps uh, you know as as they get back to the top of the order, um, you, you could get some runs driven in that way. But all right, let me get to my stud real quick. I'm going with. John Schreiber, and he's been a stud. This is probably the third time he's been a stud, but the guy's a mystery to me. Like, what is he? What is he? We got a host on another show that wants him to be the closer already. <laughs> and um, my only complaint is not a big strikeout guy. And if you want a guy who's who's regularly going to be in high leverage, especially if it's the eighth or ninth innings, they got to have punch outs. Uh, you know, it can't always be contact, especially if we don't know what balls we're getting again, like we were talking about in the open. But uh, Schreiber, uh, two innings pitched in game one, uh, struck out uh, three uh, over the course of two innings, uh, did not walk anybody. He has not given up a run so far on the season. Small sample size, only six in the third pitch. But he also hasn't walked anybody either. And that funky delivery he has, keeping guys off balance, my only concern is once enough tape goes out, perhaps, uh, you know, he's he's going to get slapped around a little. But love what we're seeing so far. And we're seeing a lot of inconsistency with some of those guys. Sawamura, uh, Deakman at times. I love what Schreiber's giving us. Yeah, it's you might as well ride it as long as you can, as long as he's still getting guys out and you know having uh, clean innings. I do think that he falls under the category of just he's a deception guy. You know, his delivery is is tough for especially right-handers to pick up. He's got the big sweeping breaking ball, which if he hangs on to the ball is uh, is a good pitch. We saw him hit Austin Riley in the back tonight with one of them, so uh, he's got to get that under control. Oh, that was but, tonight. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, but yeah, I think he's mostly just a deception guy. Um, I don't think he'll ever be a big strikeout guy. Pitchers with that kind of delivery typically aren't big strikeout guys anyway, unless they're really dynamic and really have good stuff. So he's should be mostly a ground ball guy, but I do worry that hitters are going to start to just sit back a little bit more, not go chasing that, that sweeping breaking ball and kind of let him work himself into trouble. But for right now, He's still pitching well. He's still getting guys out. So ride the wave as long as you can. Um, but just understand that this is a 28-year-old journeyman whose career ERA is like north of, you know, or pretty close to five. Um, so there's a reason why he he was basically on the street waiting for the Red Sox to pick him up. So um, I certainly wouldn't be penciling him in for any closing roles anytime soon. Let's keep him just to a mop-up role or, you know, early, like six or seventh inning, low leverage situations. But like I said, ride the wave, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Red Sox stats had a good um, little tidbit on him. So when he was pitching for Detroit last in 2020, he was averaging 89.4 on his fastball and now he's up to 94. So he clearly found something out. Uh, unfortunately, he is a COVID-19 call-up right now. He is not on the 40-man. So once Rich Hill comes back, um, he's got to go down. And they're going to have to figure out something, um, you know, if he keeps pitching like this. Because I think Rich Hill's uh, – he might be due this weekend. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how they can justify uh, not having him up at this point. But do they – that that's a hard call to – to just completely outright a guy to bring him on when he 
you know, could turn back into a pumpkin pretty quickly. Is Rich Hill vaxxed? Do we know this? Do, do we remember if he pitched in Toronto? I, I, I think he I went remember. there. Yeah, he was there. He and was I thought there. I remembered okay. so um, he is. So he gave or someone. Yeah, they so said he, that he was vaxxed. So he's got a legitimate case then of, of COVID that he's probably sick with. It does affect the elderly. And uh, he, is like <laughs> se- he is about 73 years old. In baseball years. Yeah, okay. I, that's what I was wondering because, and the only reason I questioned the vaccine thing was he would be eligible, I think, to come back quicker uh, if he wasn't. So I didn't know if that could have slipped through the cracks if if he wasn't. But it uh, sounds like he's just got a, a legitimate case of it. Alex Cora was, uh, uh, I, I don't know if he was in rough shape, but he was definitely uh, feeling it for uh, at least a few days, um, a week, week and a half ago. So uh, it, so it'll be interesting. So who, who would be in danger of, of losing a spot on the 40-man Taylor at this point. I mean, he seems to have had some setbacks uh, okay. in his rehab. He hurt his back. I mean, they could move him to the long-term injury, which, you know, the 60-day would probably put a wrap on his season. Um, and it's not like we're, we have any shortage of lefties anyway. Yeah, that would just – I mean, it's kind of disappointing, but I, I don't know if they can count him to come back anyway, so – that could that could be one. Yeah, I'm just I got it up now too. Uh, yeah, nobody's really standing out here. I don't think they'd uh, pull the plug on Salamora just yet. But um, this is this is the last year of Salamora's deal, or has he got one more? Yeah, no, I believe this is the last one. I thought he only signed a two year deal. Yeah, so I, I still don't think they would uh, give up on him. Alex Cora seems to like him. Uh, Phillips Valdez, I mean, he's got to be somewhat vulnerable as far as a 40-man spot. He he could be. Um, the only thing about Valdez that they like is he can go multiple innings. So there might still be some value for him, even if, you know, even if he is struggling. So I, I think Taylor might be the more likely option. Um, True. Yeah, but probably yeah, Taylor. But it, it's going to be hard to justify not having uh, Schreiber up here with the with the impact uh, that he's had so far, but I mean the bullpen's had a lot more stability in the last week with him in it. Um, another thing that comes to mind while I have the forty man in front of me, I don't know if you showed this in the war room, Andrew, or if perhaps somebody else uh, sent it to me. Uh, Josh Winkowski. Looks like he could be starting to be groomed for a a two or three inning role uh, with the big club. Yeah, they pulled him after two today. They said it was to manage workload, but then um, Chad Tracy came out and did say that, like, there are chances he could go up and they're trying to keep him on a normal rotation schedule for it. So uh, that would be a nice infusion of, you know, youth in that rotation and, or just even the bullpen. So he's got a lively arm. He pitched great today. Punch up a few guys. I, I, I would, I would like to see him up there in the bullpen throwing two innings. I, at this point, trust him more than Cutter Crawford. Could he be a potential option in the rotation if they decide to put Whitlock back in the pen? I, I think Bloom's hesitant on that, but I would guess that Seabold would probably be more likely. Seabold, yeah, he's been throwing um, pretty well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Winkowski would, quite frankly. So at what, this point, what's different with Seabold because he was extremely underwhelming uh, in twenty twenty one. He's got some of his velocity back. Uh, he's not ninety five anymore, but he is ninety three, ninety four, and that he just he came off that arm injury and was throwing like eighty nine. So. Uh, that that was gonna play. So if he's if he's throwing ninety three, ninety four, his secondary is gonna play up a lot better, and he's not gonna be as obvious. And it, it, it's been working out pretty well lately. I wonder if that'll even tick up more as we go. You know, maybe to ninety five, ninety six. But uh, all right. So let's see. Uh, any honorable mentions here? Um, Bogarts, like we said, three for eight. Um, 
Devers hit the grand slam. Say what you want about the baseballs, but it was a, it was a huge uh, shot in the arm for game one. Uh, nobody has hit one uh, thus far in 2021. Uh, let's see. We talked about story. Yeah, so not much to write home about in the... Um, in the lineup as far as honorable mentions, uh, Tyler Danish in the pen, a nice, uh, two inning appearance, uh, to follow up Garrett Whitlock's kind of shaky performance. And then today, uh, Nathan Avaldi, just a very workmanlike Nathan Avaldi effort, uh, basically gives you a chance to win every time, uh, did get, uh, dinged for uh, three earned runs, all in the third inning. He's been prone to that in the past. I think this might be the second time where he just has a bad inning and just coughs up a few runs and then settles back in. And unfortunately, that's what happened today. But still, um, you know, six and one third, uh, six hits, one walk, and uh, six strikeouts. That's a very common uh, Nathan Avoldi line. So. Any thoughts on any of them? The only thing about Evaldi that's concerning me is the home runs. Um, he's already given up nine now this season. And I think, um, <clears throat> I don't know if it was Red Sox stats or someone else, but they tweeted earlier that it took him until his 23rd start last season to give up nine home runs. So he's already at that number now. Um, so that's that's a little concerning. I thought, yeah, he gave you a workman's effort today, but he also looked just kind of pedestrian. And it's not his fault. Like he's, he's the de facto ace because of sales injury. And obviously he's coming off, you know, a really good season. I think probably the best season of his career that he wasn't bound to repeat, but he was just a little bit too pedestrian for me today. So um, I'm, I'm not like concerned about him, but I would like to see him, you know, not give up home runs, not give up a lead when he has one. And it'd be nice to get like a vintage sort of 2021 Nathan Avaldi start where he's, you know, blanking 10 guys and um, just keeping runners off bases the whole time. Yeah. He's got to tighten it up with those home runs. It's what's he on pace for now? Like, 40? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, 30 is a, a lot. lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's way too many. That's not a thing for him, especially with his sub three ERA. Like, I, I, I'm not sure what is different with him right now. Um, he's got to figure that out because that's going to bite you. And it, it wasn't. Wasn't like it was uh, Acuna that hit it tonight. So it was Travis Demera. Is that how you pronounce his name? I honestly had never heard of him. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's because <laughs> I, I remember him being up. Okay. Yeah, I remember him being up a couple years ago, and yeah, he's he's a four A player who's just having a good week. But like Garcia, not, no, not special. Yeah, yeah, the the lesser established guys were the ones who did the damage on us but yeah i mean his whip is 108 and that's kind of high for him at the moment but we'll see i mean he attacks the the plate nobody on the team and very few people in major league baseball attack the strike zone like Evaldi. so i i think that's just kind of the penalty that uh you know, gets paid. Luckily, not a lot of guys tend to be on base when he's given up those home runs. So thus far hasn't really paid for it. And his ERA right now is still lower at 315 uh, than it was uh, in 2021 when he was third in the Cy Young race. I think that was 340 something. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, he's definitely, you know, the least of our problems regardless as far as, uh, pitching goes, but all right. So, uh, let's go ahead. Uh, let's get over to the duds, Jason dud for the series. Yeah. It's Kike Hernandez again. And, uh, boy, he's been in this category way too many times. This is, uh, this is starting to get a little concerning. Um, 0 for 10 in this series. Just he's not having competitive at bats. He's striking out a ton. 
Um, you know, it, it feels like there's you know almost no power with him anymore. Like it's just a lot of weak flyouts and weak ground balls. So I don't know what's going on with him. Um, I know that he's you know he's still a good outfielder. He plays a solid center field, but right now that's not really helping us because it's just that that's not what we need. We need a leadoff guy who can set the table for the guys in the order who are actually hitting and actually producing runs. And he's doing absolutely none of that. So um, I don't know if they keep him at leadoff to just, you know, really see if he can just wake up and, and get it going or if they drop him in the order to try and, you know, at least uh, help him, you know, get back on track a little bit. I'm not sure at this point. I, I don't know what's going on with Kike. This has been going on way too long, though. Like, he, it feels like he hasn't even had one good series. Like, even some of the other guys who are struggling, they've at least popped up for, a, you know, a series or at least a couple of games where they look a little bit better. Kike hasn't even had that. It, it's just been a real struggle for him all season long. So uh, he's got to wake up soon because he's killing them at, out of that leadoff spot. He's absolutely killing them. Yeah, he's got to, he's doing something up at the plate because everything's a pop-up. So he's got to be, I don't know if he's dipping down a little bit. I, it's it's killing him. Uh, today it looked like he got a hold of one, but that was just the magic of cameras and Nesson. Um, I, I can't even figure it out. I had high hopes for him going into the year. I wasn't even worried the first two weeks. Now I am. Um, if it continues like this, how long can you allow that to happen? Um, you almost have to go to Jared Duran because the defense might suck, but it might be literally anything else on offense because we're getting nothing. We're getting nothing out of left and center at this point. I think the entire outfield has been pretty underwhelming, to be honest. That That's kind of why I'm, I'm hoping Franchi really works out because – once Casas gets called up, you have you can put him in the outfield now, and if he's productive. But I'm I'm even willing to give Bobby Dalbeck some run in left field to see if something changes if he starts hitting. I I'm at that point. I I don't even care. You got to switch something up. Right. Yeah. And they did talk about in spring training. I don't know if they ever did it. I, I never saw him play left field, but they said that uh, it would be something they would try with him. And I mean, Christian Arroyo, I feel like his slash line isn't good all the way across, but I think that's kind of a product of not getting enough consistent at bats. I think he could be a lot more productive if he's put in there. Maybe that's when the injury finally happens when he's playing every day, but uh, you know, you got to take that at, at face value, I, I would say, but um the, this whole outfield and Kike, I remember last winter, you know, some of you guys were talking about him potentially getting a Chris Taylor contract, which was roughly what, four years, 64 million, something like that, 68 million. And his value has plummeted. Like he would be lucky to get another two years uh, at the current deal he has, two years, 14 mil. He just just not getting it done. And I think he just needs to go back to, to contact hitting. I think he fell in love with the long ball. He keeps trying to drive it. And most of his outs are pop fly outs. And uh, I'm looking at the strikeouts here. Let's see where he ranks on the team. As far as strikeouts, he's sixth overall with 24. Uh, Trevor story is way out in front with 37, but. That was probably due to those couple of series, but so, I mean, if nothing else, it's going to be interesting to see what Bloom does next winter with this outfield. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you brought up Christian Arroyo. It, does it feel to you guys that like Christian Arroyo is a Bloom guy, but he's not a Cora guy in terms of like, I think Alex Cora hates playing him, but I think Bloom wants him here because you know i didn't bloom originally draft him with tampa and then kept trying to reacquire him ever since he lost him so i don't know i just i feel like alex cora can't stand christian arroyo and that's why he gets inconsistent playing time which for a hitter like him is probably screwing him up a little bit 
Actually, Arroyo uh, was drafted, I think, by Sam Fran. Yeah, and the then, Longoria deal. Oh, uh, okay. He was yeah. acquired by Bloom from Sam Fran. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. So, and then he acquired him again uh, from Cleveland this time around. But, um, but I've never noticed that with with core. I've never really made that correlation. I've never really examined it though. So, I mean, the. The problem is he's just he's not a perfect fit anywhere other than second, and he's not going to play second at this point unless someone's got a day off. And I just think that's a a big hindrance. Yeah, I mean, because they tried him in the outfield, and that's that's not looking great anytime he was out there. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. But, they yeah. both love Jackie. I feel like to you know, our dismay. I just think Bloom and Cora love Jackie Bradley Jr. They love his defense, that's for sure. If I had to guess with the outfield, it's not going to help this year, but like you asked about going forward, I could see Michael Conforto signing August 2nd after the draft. He's not going to play this year. His shoulder is ruined. He's going to get surgery. But if once they once that draft ends, then there's no more compensation. So I could see them giving him a James Paxton type of deal um, right after the draft and the comp uh, comp session ends. Any remorse whatsoever? Not signing Nick Castellanos. Uh, I mean it's okay. So obviously his offense would be great. But man, that guy can't play the field. He's he's a butcher out there. Um, and honestly, knowing how knowing their luck and how their season is going, he probably wouldn't be hitting if he was here right now. Like it's it's just kind of the way things are going. They have a good roster. They have good hitters. They're just not producing. I, I don't think Castellanos. Like I like I said, I, I feel like if, even if they had signed him, he'd be hitting like two ten right now. And I saw people calling for you know it's like why didn't schwarber has been brutal yeah uh to start the year over in philly so i yeah i I don't really think there were too many options that really would have helped i mean solaire has been terrible uh say suzuki turned back into a pumpkin um just a lot of these free agent signings other than rizzo i i really don't see any that like have really helped their team um, too much other than obviously Castellanos, like you already mentioned. Well, Castellanos has a negative uh, 0.5 defensive war. So he's by all measures, not, not having a good defensive year, but at face value, he, he is having a pretty good um, year at the plate. I mean, he's hitting 311, 378, OBP is OPS uh, a little over nine. So almost 200 points above the league average and five dingers, 18 ribbies. I would have done it because we've got nobody. We've got nobody. There's no depth. And to have another guy locked up for five years out there while you figure it out, I just would have done it. And I'm not saying Bogarts is a bad leader. I mean, he positively influences that clubhouse, but you need that guy, that rah-rah guy like Nolan Arenado or or uh, Nick Castellanos to, to just kind of run through the dugout in the fifth inning of a game where nothing's happening. We, the Red Sox don't have that, that that we've seen. So I'm just kind of... A little disappointed there. And what if we got Freddie Freeman? That's another one I keep seeing popped up. That would have been one of the greatest off seasons of all time. That so you talk about off season regrets. That's mine because uh, you, your guy was Trevor Story. My guy was Freddie Freeman. I wanted Freddie Freeman on this ball club so badly. I never bought into the dollback hype from from last season. If Freddie Freeman was playing first base for you right now, boy, this offense would be so much better off. And I you know, like I don't think the contract was all that bad. I know that everyone harps on the fact that he's 30 and, you know, you hear like Red Sox defenders talk about him being 30 as if he's like, you know, about to die. What? Like he, he's actually, plenty of years. he'll be 33 in, uh, even still 120 30, days. At first, right, so 32, 33, I still would have done it. At first base, you're good with it. And I think it was a six year deal. 
I don't think they were actually, you know, I thought that was a leverage move by the agent. I think he was LA or Atlanta. I, I don't think the Red Sox had a shot at him. You could be right. I mean, we were linked to him fairly late, uh, you know, in the negotiations, but it it might not have been serious. 314 average on the year. He's only hit three dingers, but uh, uh, almost a 400 on base. That's that's my favorite uh, category. 1.2 war. So he's he's having a pretty decent start out in um, L.A., especially given the, the weird winter we had with the lockout. But the, the only thing is you, then there's the Casas debate. Do you trade him now because you got Freeman or or do you get rid of Martinez to put Casas, at, you know, as a DH? But, but man, Freddie Freeman. I, I love Freddie Freeman. All right, uh, where are we? We got lost on that one. All right, Andrew, dud for the series. All right. Um, a little unconventional, but mine were the ups. Um, last night, they were trash. Didn't affect the Red Sox too much. But uh, if you go on a umpire scorecard, it was a plus 1.76 run differential in favor of Atlanta. Um, there were some really egregious calls last night, including Christian Vasquez getting called out, much to the joy of uh, Dennis Eckersley, who celebrated it because he was mad that he stepped out of the box so much. Um Let's see. Verdugo got screwed on a 2-0 count. Uh, and then Robles had Acuna Jr. struck out in seventh. And uh, they called a strike a ball on a full count. And then tonight, <laughs> we'd probably be in a whole different mood if what, – what was his – I don't even know the guy's name. Some idiot. Oh, no, the, uh, the, uh, the home I don't even care about his name. Yeah, <laughs> he was – it was embarrassing. The ball was like four inches down off the, you know, just bottom of the zone. Wasn't even close. Bases loaded. Bulecki obviously doesn't stand a chance, but he got a walk. They didn't call it. They called it a strikeout. And then he gets ejected. And then Cora gets ejected. Then we <laughs> we got everyone's favorite backup manager coming in. Um, it was embarrassing. It, that never should have happened. They Who knows? Maybe Kike figures it out at that point and ropes one into left center, two more runs score, and we open this game up. Nate's pitching, you know, he's going, throwing easy, gives you the seven full innings, and Strom closes it out, no uh, no worries. But we'll never know. The, they jobbed us, and I'm sick of talking about the human element because we talk about the human element way too much for it to not be a topic. Yeah, I mean that that missed call tonight was an absolute joke. I mean that it wasn't even close. Um, like, like when you look at the the picture of the strike zone that a few people have tweeted out, like it's it's a good couple of inches below the zone. It's not even close. Awful call. Um, I'll give Alex Cora credit. That's the one thing he's done this year that I liked is when he went out there and absolutely went ballistic and lost his mind and got himself ejected because. If he had just like sat in the dugout and hadn't done anything after that, like you'd really start to question how much this team really cares. But clearly, Cora cares. He was pissed off. He should have been pissed off. Um, yeah, it probably did affect the way the game went. I mean, look, he got walked off on. So sometimes that's just going to happen. But brutal call, absolutely brutal call. And um, I, I don't know how, like, I, I know that umps, when they get, quote-unquote disciplined it's not like shown for the public like when players get fined that's something that you know gets publicized i think the umpires it's like there's something in major league baseball's rules where it's like they don't publicize discipline for umpires they just go about it and we don't find out ever so this is one where i would love to see what they're going to do with this guy because I, he, he shouldn't be umping major league games if he's going to make him, be making calls like that. I mean, that was embarrassing. Adam Beck uh, was the umpire's name. I'm not that familiar with him, so perhaps this might be literally one of the worst calls of his career. But the, the painful thing to me about the whole Pluecki thing there, what was that, the fifth or sixth inning? I think it might have been the fifth. Um that was a perfect at bat. 
it was a he just he worked the count well he worked uh you know the strike zone he wasn't swinging at junk and we had some painful at bats that followed that in the the innings i mean bradley swung at a pitch that was in the dirt like four feet in front of him and it just was ugly and and that pitch that was ultimately called strike three should have been ball four was almost in the dirt like you you don't get much lower than that without being in the dirt it was just such a painful call it was it was low and you're not getting a lot out of Ploiecki this year offensively, so it was kind of a big, would have been a big moment, and uh, a run would have came in, and I don't know if uh, Colin McHugh would have been allowed to face another batter, but he was certainly uh, under a ton of pressure, not locating, and like Andrew said, potentially could have broke it open, and uh, didn't happen. The other disappointing thing, too, was, you know, Cora gets fired, and you're kind of hoping that the team gets fired up after that. Did I say Cora gets fired? He gets tossed. <laughs> I'm thinking a hot take Tuesday. Somebody had a hot take that he'd be fired in uh, July. So that's on the last episode. Uh, a follower submitted that. None of us agreed uh, with it. But, um, but Cora, Cora gets ejected, and uh, the team doesn't get fired up. I think that's what I meant to say, but I'm going to call for a firing right now and I'm being a little facetious, but I don't like Will Venable whenever he's in charge of anything, it just doesn't go well. You know, he filled in during the COVID leave for Cora and I, you know, this is the second time Cora has been tossed from a game. It's been left with Venable hasn't ended well. Um, I just don't, I just don't like Will Venable as the bench coach. I I'm kind of with you on that. I'm not a Will Venable guy either. Um, I know that, you know, not a, not a huge sample size for him, but he kind of seems, you know, like he doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, that, I mean, yeah, sure. But you can fire him if you want. Um, I I'd fire him and all three of your hitting coaches or however many they have. <laughs> exactly. today. So exactly. I, I would just do a whole group firing of all those guys and bring in some new people. Uh, any yeah. more thoughts? Oh, go ahead, Andrew. No, not really. I mean, I, I've been, I, I really, has Venerable won a game? No, I don't believe so. Yeah. Uh, no. wait, <laughs> maybe he did. Yeah, I think we might have won one in that Toronto series. It, it really shouldn't be hard to remember. I mean, there's been like what eight, so. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I am getting the uh game logs up for my dud here and my dud for the series and it's disappointing because i was really hyping this guy and i was so glad we brought him back and i thought bringing him back would would stabilize the bullpen to the point where i wasn't concerned like i I always and i still do feel like there is some combination that's going to work but hansel robles ever since that angel series where he kind of got spooked by the heart of the order when he was going to face Trout, Otani, and, and Rendon, just hasn't seemed to uh, get it together. And he gave up, let's see, one earned run in game one of the series. Didn't really come back to haunt us because we, like I said, broke it open uh, by scoring a bunch of runs late. But uh, gave up a hit. And uh, walked one. Walks have been a big problem with him his last four outings. And four outings ago actually was that uh, Angels uh, series. But he's had walks in three out of the four games. uh, Given up hits in a couple of them. And really looks like a guy who is kind of losing it uh, for now. And... It looks like, at a minimum, he's kind of lost his closing job for now. Oh, I absolutely. He he should lose it, and he just kind of seems like a mental case to me. Like it, his stuff is actually pretty good. I mean, it, he's got a really good, lively fastball, and um, you know, he if he gets that working, he can be very effective. But I just feel like at times he psychs himself out, and once he does that, it all just comes crumbling down. So. 
unfortunately, uh, we're in a stretch right now where we're getting the Hansel Robles who pitched for the Mets. And just just ask any Mets fan how that experience was. It was pretty much a disaster every time he was out there. So um, hopefully he gets his head screwed back on and gets his confidence back or whatever it is he needs because I don't think they can afford to just jettison him off out of the bullpen. So he's got to figure it out. But, yeah, not a good stretch for him right now. Yeah, he seems just to be like one of those guys that – can go through these weird stretches. And I, I do think this is a downtime for him. I will back him up on that one walk you were talking about last night. Um, umpire scorecard had that as a blown call. Uh, yay, no robot ops. So he should have had Acuna. Um, didn't, unfortunately. I think he'll get this figured out, though. I'm, I'm at like a four for uh, panic for him. So keep it a low, maybe a three. Hopefully, I just feel like he needs to attack guys and just let it fly and he'll end up finding it. And I was kind of hoping he would be the closer for for a while anyway. And but regardless, he'll if he's not, he'll still be used in in high leverage at at some point. But all right, uh, let's see if any other dishonorable mentions here. Uh, not a lot. I mean, I can't stand Verdugo hitting fifth in the order. Two for seven, not bad. But um, Garrett Whitlock, how concerned are we there? He only lasted three innings, gave up four hits, three earned runs, four walks, which is pretty high for him. Um, are they going to be forced at some point to just simply put him back in the pen or think they just ride it out for now. I mean, I hope so. I, I hope that, you know, someone tells them, Hey, idiots, put him back in the bullpen because he's not ready to be a starter yet. He's, he labored through that entire start and it was kind of tough to watch. Like he, he did not look like himself and it just looks like the more that you throw him out there to be a starter, the less of a weapon he becomes. And that's, just unacceptable. And look, I get it. You, you found this guy out of nowhere, right? You plucked him out of the rule five. The Yankees gave up on him. It's a great story, but don't waste him now. Like that. Don't be stupid about it. He's really effective in his role out of the bullpen and he can still pitch multiple innings doing that. You can still find a way to let him keep that role and stretch him out. And you've got him signed. If you want him to be a starter, eventually, you can still do that later on down the road. It, why does it have to be right now? Why does it have to be May of 2022 that Garrett Whitlock has to be in the rotation and he can't go back to the bullpen? It just, it makes no sense. It's really kind of not working right now. It's it's not working as effectively as they had hoped. So I, I want him back in the pen. I want him back in that role. I know they're short a few starters right now with Waka and Hill out. Hopefully Hill's coming back soon from the COVID thing. Um, but I just, I feel like you're minimizing the weapon that he is by making him do this. Yeah. I, I'm not as angry as a lot of people are that he moved to the starting rotation. I'm a little more mad that other guys haven't really followed up to pick him up in, you know, the role he left. I was encouraged that his velocity seemed to, maintain um as he was stretched out i think he threw about 90 pitches the other day he has to be more efficient with them uh they have to start calling some secondary stuff i swear to god they weren't calling secondary stuff and he got into one battle and it was like six or so foul balls it's like can we please just call for something else here so i i don't think um uh, vasquez did him any favors uh his pace seemed to be slowed down as well. Um, I, I think, I don't know if, who it was. I forget what broadcast I was watching, but they were like, yeah, he, he seems to be annoyed by the pitch comm. He seems like he wants to get the ball and throw it, but the signs aren't getting into him fast enough. So I, the, there has to be a little bit of a, you know, adjustment there. I, I don't know if it's Vasquez, like I said, but they got to figure out how to get him, him into a better rhythm. So he's comfortable. All right. 
I don't know how much I want to trust the uh, ESPN schedule because it's been wrong a lot, and that's led to oh, us terrible giving up the <laughs> the um, wrong matchups. But nothing is on the uh, MLB um, site for Red Sox probable pitchers. I want to say though, this is might be somewhat accurate. Um, I'll just go into them real quick. Nick Pavetta. On Friday, tentatively, I'm saying tentatively because it's the ESPN, uh, you know, schedule. But Pavetta versus Dane Dunning. Dunning's actually having a, probably his career best year. Um, then on Saturday, it's it's TBD versus um, I don't even know his first name, Glenn Otto, who like uh, Dunning actually having a pretty good year himself. Three fourteen. ERA. He might be an opener, actually. Is he? Nope. He's been pitching. Uh... Actually. Well, the Red Sox were shooting for Rich Hill on Saturday. I do know that. They are, yeah. yes. So he would be facing Glenn Otto. Yeah. And Otto is a, a bona fide starter. He's gone five innings twice, four and a third. So having a pretty good year. I'm kind of surprised Texas is doing so bad right now uh, with that offense. And. At least a couple of guys pitching. And then finally on Sunday, that's a 2.35 start. Uh, we got Garrett Whitlock versus John Gray, who is having his typical uh, terrible if Whitlock is being pushed to Monday. That was oh, They made that earlier, okay. yeah. So what would happen there? Maybe Hauk? I don't know. I think they they didn't commit to him uh, starting. I think in that spot, I, I forget what they said earlier. I, there, there's a chance we could see a spot start guy come up from uh, Worcester. I mean, this could be your chance to see in a Connor Siebold. Okay, I was going to mention <clears throat> Winkowski as well, but uh, all right. So, I mean, just based on kind of a feel, I mean, do we got a shot for two out of three or is it going to be more of the same? I, uh, I unfortunately think they're going to lose two out of three. Out of three. Um, okay. I think John Gray is, is the only guy that the offense, you know, is, is going to score runs off of, um, Dane Dunning. Like you said, he's probably their best pitcher and Glenn Otto. They haven't seen, and we know how the Red Sox do against pitchers. They haven't seen. So, I think they lose two out of three. That sounds legit. I mean, if there was ever a time for you know the bats to to travel and show up, it's Texas, right? Yeah, I mean, if they're the stadium's open because they got a retractable now, so. Mm. Um. But we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I'll I'll say two out of three Red Sox. Jason could be right, but. We typically win the opener, and then it, it goes downhill after that. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. But we will wrap on that. Uh, deep dives available tomorrow. Everyone have a good Thursday. Take care.